0: And so we come now to a time of our worship service where we're going to be looking at Scripture. What we're doing this fall is we are simply walking our way through the Gospel of John. And each time we look at a chapter or an encounter in John's Gospel, we're asking the question about Jesus. Who is he and what has he done in our lives? And today, uh, we're specifically talking about this idea of freedom. And... uh, that's perhaps maybe makes that might make sense in light of our liturgy this morning. And but so very specifically, we're talking about Jesus and, actually, and your slavery. And we're going to be coming from John 8 verses 31 through 38. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and you can follow along in your worship guides. You can follow along on the wall behind me, or you can follow along in your own Bibles. So this is John 8. 31 to 38. Let's give our careful attention to the reading of God's word, which is given in love for you. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved by anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to Christ. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for your word that you have given in love for us. That your, your word is useful for helping us grow and to be challenged and corrected in our life. With you. And so, Father, we pray that you would be with us now as we consider your word, that your spirit would be working in our life to reveal both our sinfulness, but also revealing your amazing love and beauty before us. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. As we begin to think about Jesus and your slavery, here's a question to begin with What illusions of freedom do you have? What illusions of freedom do you have? If you go through the old city in Philadelphia, you'll certainly walk by all these taverns that would have their paraphernalia and memorabilia uh, that would remind you of the Revolutionary War. And a common sign that these wonderful taverns would put up would say this, We have no sovereign here. We have no sovereign here. That is what people would put up on their, in their taverns, perhaps in their homes back during the colonial period. And this is the American way. We have no sovereign here. We do not have a king. We do not have a queen. We do not even know the words to God save the queen. If we're interested in the show, the queen, it's because it's awesome and wonderful entertainment, but we are not her royal subjects. And so instead of singing God Save the Queen, we sing the national anthem. We bear allegiance to the flag. We don't bend the knee. Except we only bend our knee to ourselves. This is the American way. And so former Supreme Court Justice, Anthony Kennedy wrote this. At the heart of liberty, of, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and the mystery of the human life. The end. A, a Supreme Court Justice wrote that. At the heart of liberty is the right for us to define for ourselves of the mystery of the human life. These are illusions of freedom that surround us within our world. And so Rachel Gilson, author of the book Born Again This Way, she writes it this way. That everywhere we turn, someone is telling us that freedom is found in obeying these desires of our body. To specifically deny what your body wants is a scandal in our culture. If you pursue your desires, you are publicly celebrated as a hero, and if you deny it, then you are a villain. See, in this passage that we're looking at today, Jesus is confronting our illusions of freedom. And so we see this confrontation between Jesus and the Jews. The Jews are having this conversation with Jesus, and they have this swagger of sorts. It's a swagger that arises from their own religiosity. They're saying, look at us. We have never been slaves to anyone. We are offspring of Abraham. So their comment, and as they're having this conversation with Jesus, reveals that they know that Jesus is talking about this existential and spiritual slavery. It's not physical because Israel was, in fact, enslaved to Egypt. They have endured oppressive empires and regimes from the Assyrians to the Babylonians to the Persians to the Romans. So their swagger that they have that arises from this entitlement and religiosity is actually reflecting and revealing a dismissive attitude towards Jesus. They They do not believe that Jesus is necessary for their freedom they are illu they have this illusion they self de- they have this self de- they have this self deception going on that they are already free people but what about you what illusions of freedom do you have So as we consider this passage, there's this overall artwork that Jesus has done. That Jesus has come to set you free. He has come to set the captive free. He frees you from your sin. That's why Jesus has come. And so with this wonderful statement that Jesus frees you from your sin, with that wonderful statement is a challenge to each and every single one of us because that's, there's also a statement in there that we are enslaved to sin. And so our big idea that we want to consider this morning is that Jesus is the one who frees you. Jesus is the one that frees you. And the first thing that we want to consider in light of this text and this idea is the power of sin. And we see the power of sin here in verse 34. That Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now as you look at Scripture, the reality is that Scripture is the best commentary on itself. And so we look at no further than first John First John one eight says this, that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So scripture is remarkably clear that each and every single one of us, myself and you included, that each and every single one of us are sinners. And this sin is so thorough that it touches, it corrupts every part of our humanity. It touches our bodies, it touches our emotions, our sexuality, our emotions, our relationships, our spirituality, our work. Every single part of you is touched by sin. Every aspect of your life has been corrupted by sin. And so horrifically, this even impacts the desires of our hearts. And that there's a pattern to sin as well that emerges when we consider sin even more thoroughly. Here's James 1, 14 and 15. That every, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Can you just think about that? That we can sin simply by following our desires. Keep going in 15. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin and Sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Friends, scripture is clear. It's very clear that playing with sin now and thinking that you can finish it off in the future, is not only unwise but it's deadly because our desires do not lead to freedom. our desires will lead to to death our desires will lead to slavery and so our desires don't lead to freedom it doesn't lead to life it leads to to death instead and so every single time that we sin we are feeding this pattern of death in our lives and this is something that we need to be incredibly honest with that every single time we sin we are feeding this pattern of death in our lives Because I find that Christians, and in fact the church, has a similar problem with the Jews. That neither one of us wants to admit how thorough and how deep sin goes within our lives. Here are a few examples of what I'm talking about. That men may confess a struggle with pornography to other men, claiming it is a struggle when it is really an addiction. Now, if you pretend that sin is not a big deal, if you pretend that sin is not a big deal, that actually denies spiritual slavery. If you pretend it's not a big deal, you rob Jesus of the power to change your life. And so, as we I mentioned, pornography and sexual brokenness right there, that's also common, not just with men, but also with women. Why do we pretend that sexual brokenness is just, is just a men's issue? And overlooking that it doesn't happen is actually the same thing as denying our sinfulness. So Jackie Hill Perry, she, she expressed it this way, that when I was a new Christian, I was introduced to the typical nature in which some Christians speak of their lives in the loveliest terms. If the, truth, if the truth is what sets us free, then why not walk in it at all times? With wisdom of love, of course, but also with the reality is that truth is where freedom begins. And so certainly this battle of your own sin certainly might not be sexual brokenness, but perhaps it is most likely may be a critical spirit, self-reliance, self-sufficiency, and much more. And so Jesus, with this statement, he is demanding radical honesty of us. Does sin have power over your life? Because we sin. And when we turn our attention to sin, it has power over us. But Jesus came to break the power of sin. That Jesus came to set us free from spiritual slavery. And so as you think about the power of your of sin in your life, the wonderful gospel reality is that Jesus is the one with the greater power. And this is the second point. That Jesus is the one who has the greater power. Verse 35 and 36. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Right here, we have a brief parable before us where there's this contrast. This is how slaves are treated. Here are how sons are treated. As you think about that contrast, sons inherit while slaves do not. The son stays, but slaves come and go. And so while the, this wonderful gospel doctrine of adoption is real, that you and I are sons and daughters of God, the reality is this verse is not about us. Jesus is not talking about us here in this verse. He is talking about himself because Jesus is the Son of God. If you recall Jesus' baptism, you heard, you heard the Father's voice boom from the heavens. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And so what we find in Jesus that he is the Son. He remains in the house forever. He reigns over all things. God has given him everything. And if God has given him everything... Don't you think he can also liberate you as well? That's what Jesus is getting at. That the son who reigns over all things is the one who liberates you and sets you free. This is why Jesus says that he has come to set the captives free. And so what we need to understand these verses. We need to understand verse 32 in light of These verses, when Jesus says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What's Jesus talking about here? Because it's tempting to think that just because you know a doctrine, you may be free. It may be tempting to think just because you know an idea, then you will be free. But Jesus is not talking about any intellectual abstract idea. He is talking about himself. Jesus is the truth incarnate. Jesus is God incarnate. The truth is is that Jesus is speaking about himself, and this this should be incredibly encouraging because the truth is a person. You can love a person. You can know a person. This is wonderful because when Jesus says the truth will set you free, this is a deeply personal and intimate reality. This is something to rejoice in. That freedom that Jesus is talking about is not obtained by a list of do's and don'ts. Freedom is obtained through a person. And you can know a person. You can love them. You can depend on them. And true freedom that Jesus promises us, this true freedom comes when we depend upon the Son. If you know the Son, then you will be set free. Think about the sins in your own life. Consider gossip. Do you realize that gossip may occur because you want to look good and significant? You want to look better than the other person? Consider your grudges and your resentments. Do you realize that resentment arises from being wronged and you are holding on to this idea that you are the judge? The wonderful gospel reality is that God created you He crowns you with glory and honor. He calls you the precious apple of his eye. That you are significant to him. You are significant to him. That he loves you with a passion that sent his son to the cross. That you are his son or his daughter. You are not an orphan. You are his children, a part of his family. And this new new belonging... This love provides new energy to pursue faithfulness and obedience. See that even while you disobeyed God, while you wronged God, He forgave you. That's the wonderful gospel reality, and it's all because Jesus has the greater. Power. He defeated sin and death. He did that on the cross. He did that through the resurrection. He rescues you from spiritual slavery. And then he is united to you. And that same resurrection power. This always blows my mind. The same resurrection power that rose him from the dead is alive in you. The same spirit that inspired scripture resides in you. Freedom. The wonderful truth is, friends, that freedom is what God wants for you. God is for you, and he is not against you. That is the wonderful gospel reality. And it's all because of Jesus. And Jesus has this wonderful and greater power to defeat this power of sin in your life. So this brings us to the third point of true freedom. True freedom. It's in verse 31 and 32. This freedom that Jesus invites you to is actually just that. It is both an invitation and a promise. Perhaps you recall his words from Matthew 11 that he says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, true freedom is not doing anything or everything that you want. True freedom is actually doing what you were created for. In the words of D.A. Carson, true freedom is not the liberty to do anything that we please, but the, the liberty to do what we ought. And it's that genuine liberty now that pleases us. So true freedom is actually living according to the way that God created us and designed us and made us. It, it goes back to that creational design that he had for us before sin entered the world. So, Frederick Beekner, not Beekner, that is one amazing author, but this is Frederick Bruner. He writes this, and this is how he translated this passage that if you make your dwelling in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you make your dwelling in my word. See, friends, we don't live in slavery, we live in the son's home. He shares his inheritance with us. And that change in residency ought to be accompanied by a new lifestyle and discipline. True, genuine faith is actually something that holds on to. It perseveres and holds tight to Jesus' teaching. And the consequences of holding on to God and his word and making our residence in his home is freedom but there's a cost. Such freedom, such faith, such freedom has a cost. Such faith has a cost, and it costs not less than everything. This is why Jesus says, "Pick up your cross and follow me." Pick up your cross and follow me. Rachel Gilson, to quote her again, and I commend her book to you. She unpacks this as she walked this path very specifically she writes this for those of us with same-sex attraction denying those desires will feel like death because it is when i left my partner i was in agony it was agony every day for months yet it was completely worth it just as jesus had promised that we would gain our lives only by losing them the goal is to faithfully say no to those desires a willingness to crucify them instead of coddling them A crucified enemy may spit threats from its cross, but it no longer has true power. And perhaps my attractional patterns will never change, and they have not changed for the past 15 years. But that does not undermine the fact that in Christ, I have the power and the obligation to say no to temptation and yes to God. We are never promised relief from the presence of dangerous desires, but we are promised power to fight victoriously and so friends the reality of our lives is that we are called to count the cost to pick up our cross and follow jesus and how rachel described that is like that is death that is death where we say no to ourselves and yes to to god we need to count the cost and so that that may for you look like considering your lifestyle your relationship your hobbies Internet habits, friendships, or much more. But Jesus calls you to count the cost. And that's something that we do. That there's a deep lesson here for us as a church as well. That if the church is to cultivate this type of Jesus-bought and this Jesus-wrought freedom, then we need to learn something about the church. And I'll end with this. It's from my friend Howard. He put it this way. The church, I thought the church was supposed to be a spiritual halfway house, a hospital for the sick, a welcoming place for those who are sick to find others who will love and accept and help them. How will people ever experience the freedom from the penalty and the power of sin if we shame them before we ever open up? Certainly. We don't want to condone sin or leave people in their in their sin. But how can we see believers mortifying and killing their sin if they never have the space to see how messed up we all are in the context of looking at our life and following Jesus together? That's the calling that we have as a church. And it's, so it's... The point is not missed on me that there's this beautiful passage just a a few verses earlier in the same chapter where Jesus sees this woman and he says to her, has anyone condemned you? And the answer is no. He says, well, neither do I. Go and sin no more. See, Jesus is the one who rescues us from sin. He rescues us from our spiritual slavery, and it's because he offers you and offers each and every single one of us life and freedom because of who he is and what he has done for you. Let's pray.